Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a world, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis, this is MJ Network MJ in memory of my sister Marsha Joyce who started me off on this fun trip to doing this and we have the author of The Pine Box Vendetta here. You know what happens when two families decide to go with each other? Just just listen to what's going on with the election between Biden and Trump trying to outdo each other. You just never know what's going to happen in this type of thing. So Jeff Bond is here, and we're going to talk about the Gallagher's versus the Pruitts. Hi, good morning. And this book is really good. I liked it. Hi, thanks so much, Fran. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Uh, I'm excited to talk oh. to you again. Um, yeah, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the kind words. I mean, it, it is a story that uh, today, with the mm-hmm. election going on, is such a it is kind of a timely thing. Um, of course, I wrote it a while ago, you know, or a couple of years ago, and it takes a while to get through all the process. But as it so happens, it comes out here in a year where it's uh, especially relevant. Lots of uh, lots of backstabbing, I'm sure, going on behind the scenes. And uh, <laughs> if you read the story, you get a lot of it right right out there on the page. Yeah, I did. I feel like I was living it. And wait till wait till they see next week of the anarchy um, of mice. That that too. Let me tell you. Whoa. I, I don't know how you come up with this stuff, but wow, yeah. So, you, the first chapter is like a prologue. And how did you? How does that set the stage for the rest? And why poison venom? I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I like to start a lot of my books, especially if I'm writing a thriller with a bang, you know. Then this is the first book of a series, so I wanted mm-hmm. to really give readers, you know, a set piece, some kind of a big dramatic scene that would really get readers' hearts pumping. Um, so yeah, as the story starts, Jamie Gallagher, who's the main character from the uh, the liberal family, the Gil- the Gallagher's, uh, he's been living in Africa for a while. And uh, he wants to take out this African warlord, uh, who's you know a war criminal who's co- who's committed these mm-hmm. atrocities atrocities against his own people. And Jamie feels like his life has been kind of corrupted by this feud between the Pruitts and the Gallaghers, which has been going on for hundreds of years. It's kind of like a Hatfield McCoy, um, yeah. You know, but set across the American political landscape. So Jamie is, you know, kind of feels like like an outcast in this. He he doesn't. He feels like, uh, you know, in some ways it's 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 wrecked his life, and he, and he wants to cleanse himself. And the idea he gets for cleansing himself is to do this good act. You know, to take out this big war criminal who, um, you know, lives on this sort of ghost ship that tries to evade capture from you know mm. the authorities and things like that. So he sets up a phony exchange where he's going to give this this dictator uh, a big suitcase of money in exchange for this journalist release. In fact, it's kind of a ruse and Jamie is is going on this sort of suicide mission to uh to poison the general. So, there's a big standoff on the general's ship. Um it, it's kind of a really tense uh dramatic uh start to the story. 
Uh, and as I said, it was just, you know, I had I had the thought that well, let's really get people into this series and the book with some adventure and some, some high stakes uh, right at the start. And you did. And you did. <laughs> this is what I love about his writing, your writing, though, is that lately I won't tell you how many books I read in the last week or so that took me too long to read. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, oh my! Yeah, there's one book that's 500 pages, and usually that would take me like two hours, maybe two days, because the font was small. It took me three weeks. So oh, yeah, that. that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I felt like I was going through double root canal for this one, and it wasn't that the book was good, wasn't good. It was just like, you got to be kidding! This could never happen. So, right. Then we go ten years later. You created the heart of this novel, the reunion. Why a class reunion, and why Yale? I never went to my class reunions. Once I'm out, that's it. You'll be lucky. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I right. got my I got my degree, and that was it. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, a lot of people have that attitude for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think I wanted to do something a little different for the start of this series. I mean, it, this series is kind of described as a political um, thriller series, so kind of like mm-hmm. a House of Cards, if you know the TV show you know, where the Pruitts and the Gallagher's are going to be fighting each other for control of maybe the presidency or, you know, different political offices. Um, but I didn't want to start the series with a political setting, like a presidential election or something like that, because I really wanted readers to understand and feel from the start that this was going to be more about the characters and their individual mm-hmm. stories. Um, so this book, even though, you know, politics is kind of in the in the background, there's a backdrop of it, it's really the, the personal narratives and arcs of the of the characters that drive it so i had the thought to set it at a reunion at yale now one easy answer to that is i went to yale so i do i do know oh okay um, i I do know you know i know the setting you know a lot of times as a writer that can make things easier right if 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 you kind of have all those setting details within easy reach um but I think beyond that, you know, when we think about two political dynasties that might be, you know, kind of in charge or, or sort of trading back and forth power, um, it's certainly the case in the real world that, you know, the Bushes, the Clintons, the Kennedys, you know, all the, these families mm-hmm. send their kids to some of these kind of Ivy League schools like Yale or Harvard. So it seemed like a natural setting to have those two clans clashing at a Yale reunion where, you know, it's certainly plausible that, both the conservative and the liberal families would send their kids there, you know. So from there, you know, I kind of kind of worked from that and cooked up, you know, so this this sort of mystery backstory where there's this death that happens when the two, mm. the, the Pruitt and the Gallagher are, Gallagher's are freshmen, and then 20 years later we go back there and, you know, there's this mystery of what had happened 20 years ago at the reunion. And we've got, of course, some other plot lines that are weaved in there, but it just seemed like Yale and, and kind of a prestigious university like that where they might have sent their kids was a was a natural place for the for the mm. clans to fight. Well I had my choice of anywhere I wanted to go, to be honest. <laughs> oh I yeah, did. yeah. They thought I yeah I did. I chose Hunter College in the Bronx. Oh yeah, and my dad said, I'll send you wherever you want to go. I said, mm. but I have a high enough average that you don't have to pay. I paid my own yeah. way. I paid my own way for my four masters and my PD and the rest of it. I paid my own way. But Hunter at that time was just majorly wages registration or whatever, you know, little tuition. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, why should you have to pay thousands of dollars when it's not that expensive to go to Hunter was the best. It was great. So. No, yeah, I used I, to, I used to take the subway by that Hunter College stop every day when I worked in New York for a summer. Yeah, 
Yeah. So tell us about Samantha and why Joyce, her daughter, had agreed to come, why she wanted her husband to stay home. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah, so, they do stay home. Right. <laughs> so Samantha <laughs> Lessing is um, the third protagonist. So we have one kind of main character, Jamie Gallagher, who we talked about from the liberal family. We have another character, Rock Pruitt, who we'll talk about in a second, from the mm-hmm. Pruitt, the more conservative family. And then Samantha Lessing is a character that's in between the two. She's she's not part of either family. She's kind of outside of the feud. Um, and I wanted to have a main character that gave some perspective mm-hmm. to it, that didn't see the world from this kind of, uh, you know, eye for an eye, Hatfield-McCoy perspective. So it, as Sam shows up to her reunion, and she was in the same class as these two other principals, um, you know, she's just a regular person in her early 40s who's got mm-hmm. regular, you know, regular middle-aged problems. She's, you know, her career is okay, but it maybe hasn't been as spectacular as she imagined that it might have. And she's stuck in a kind of a rotten marriage with her husband, Abe. Um, you know, they have a, a daughter who's 14 who, you know, she she goes out of her way not to, not to you know, bring the marital problems into Joss's life. Joss is mm-hmm. her daughter's name. Um, so, you know, she's kind of stuck in this tough situation. She's in this marriage she doesn't want to be in um, for the sake of her kid. Her job is, you know, it's kind of not as great as maybe she fears that some of her classmates' jobs maybe when she goes there, you know. Um, so she's she's hoping to go to the reunion and kind of, you know, find some new spark in her life. Maybe it's friendships, maybe it's some kind of new project. But um, she she kind of gives us a little bit of an everyman perspective into the story. You know, you've got these the Pruitts and the Gallaghers doing these big things about, you know, being senators and, you know, trying to kill African warlords, and Sam's problems are more kind of rooted in the everyday and uh, mm-hmm. and the things that that are a little more relatable to us. So that that was the idea behind her. Now my question is this: Why would she want to take the train and not take an Uber? I wouldn't take an Uber either, by the way. And at this point, well, I, I won't today. take a train, <laughs> and sure. I won't even take a car service because of what's going on outside. But why a train and not an Uber? I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think in the in the first chapter, she's she's hurrying to get to the reunion, mm-hmm. um, and she's afraid that they're not going to make the reunion check-in on time. Yeah. She's with Joss, and and uh, I mean, I think they're they're tight on money. She and her husband Abe are tight on money, and so she's trying to take public transportation. You know, I think some of his money here, but I think also she's also trying to set a little bit of an example for Joss. I mean, I think like a lot of us, you know, with kids, we sometimes have angst that, you know, we're not communicating our values well enough to our kids. And, and Joss says, oh, just take an Uber. It's no big deal. It's only, you know, 40 bucks into the city or something like that. And and uh, Sam just is not comfortable with that kind of easy decision just to spend a little more money and says, you know, okay, we don't have a lot of money. We have to, we have to be tight and be responsible. And so... I think for uh, for Sam, it's partly to save money and partly because she feels like uh, she wants to impart certain kind of values of economy to uh, to her daughter. I think more people need to do that. Seriously, <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did to me. I I literally told you, paid or paid my own way. And if I wanted right. something extra, my dad owned a cleaning store in a tough neighborhood where I taught in the Bronx, and you you worked on Saturday or you didn't. That that was it. There was no choice in the matter. You worked on Saturday, right? And, right. Yeah. Did you ever see a little girl clean and press and and what? Yeah. Yeah. I and I and I think that's hard for all of us. But you know, we feel like we probably had it harder yeah. than our kids. And are you know, are they by not having 
gone through the same hardships that we did, you know, is it yeah. affecting them? Is it is it hurting their values? And yeah, it's a struggle for sure. I know, but it was worth it. I learned. Yeah. So when they got there, what was their first impression, and who is Laurel, and what what was why was she sharing with sharing the place with them? I don't like her, by the way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I think when when they get to Yale and see the place. Uh, you know, Sam has hopes that Joss is, is really going to be her curiosity and, you know, everything is going to be peaked by the campus. And I think Joss is impressed by the architecture and she sees campus activism. You know, there are signs about, you know, causes and things like that around campus. And uh, Sam is encouraged by that. I mean, that's kind of part of her plan for the weekend reunion is to get Joss kind of interested and excited about college. Um, you know, we don't, the book doesn't go a whole lot into sort of Joss's background, but um, but, you know, she's about 14. She's starting to think about college, but, you know, she's not some kind of a high achiever, or, you know, and, and I think Sam's fine with that, but she feels like this reunion, uh, going to her mom's alma mater might <coughs> help kind of spark mm. some of the instincts that she wants to see. And as far as Laurel, Laurel is Sam's old college roommate. So mm. they were roommates 20 years ago when they were both at Yale. Um, and it's, uh, the relationship between Sam and Laurel is interesting. I mean, they, they, they lived together for a couple of years. We learned that they lived briefly in New York City afterwards, after college. And so they're friends, but they're those kind of friends that, you know, maybe circumstances put them together. You know, they had the same mm-hmm. activities, but their personal chemistry wasn't great. And so as the book begins and, and we get to the reunion and they're sharing a room together, which sort of feels natural for them because they were roommates at Yale and have kept in touch some, um, they have a little bit of this competition or kind of a, almost a passive-aggressive competition about, you know, where they each of them are in their lives, you know, how their relationships are going. There's a history there with uh, Sam and Laurel of, of boys maybe preferring Sam a little bit to Laurel, and so, you know, we feel like there's a little bit of, uh, of ambivalence about that on Laurel's part. So, as, you know, as the reunion starts and Sam, you know, is bunking mm-hmm. here with, with Joss and Laurel, yeah, there's this, this kind of sense that, uh, you know, even though they have a lot of this history of living together and, and, and time together, you know, they're not as good of friends as they might have hoped, and, and Sam despairs a little bit that the, the relationship hasn't gotten better over years. You know, it's been 20 years since college, and we're still going to, you know, kind of compare resumes and things like that. And so, and, and that relationship does evolve a little bit over the course of the book. Um but as we start, yeah, that's kind of the the landscape for the two of them. Well, now we have the heart of the novel here. Ha-ha. <laughs> this guy, Rock Pruitt. Now, Rock wants to dumb the Democratic nomination. Hmm. Is there mm-hmm. any, is there, Rock is there, and is there anything but someone that would, would, well, why wouldn't they want to recognize him? They don't like him. Not that I blame them. He wasn't exactly the most popular person on the in, in this in this book. His career was derailed two years ago by his association to a tragic death. So, how is he going to become president or the presidential nomination? Well, so so Rock Rock wants to be the the nominee, the Republican nominee for the Virginia Senate seat that's coming up. Yeah. Um, and so he's yeah yeah he's a character that is is very extreme and you know i have people who read the book and say that every time rock pruitt stepped on the page they wanted to close the book and they just they just found it so <laughs> repulsive and, and, and he is an extreme character you know on the other yeah. hand I, i've had i had a couple of beta readers that just thought he was so 
kind of evocative and vivid, and they liked him a lot better than Jamie, who is kind of his counterpart on the Gallagher side. So he's mm-hmm. he's a character that evokes a lot of strong reactions in people. There's no question. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as the book begins, he's coming back to his reunion. Um, he he's had a real checkered past here. He was he was kind of a star as a high school student. You know, won national debate championships. You know, a great athlete. You know, very articulate and smart. Um, but yeah, his freshman year at Yale, his roommate his his roommate dies in this situation that may be an accident or may not be an accident. Yeah. But Rock, but Rock is the last one who's seen with him, right? Now his family kind of covers it up and stifles the investigation, so Rock is never charged with a crime. But it's a little bit like uh, you know the Ted Kennedy, Mary Joe Kopechny situation at Chappaquiddick, where you know there's this yeah. taint that sticks with Rock. So. You know, so so the clan, you know, the Pruitt clan, uh, they they distance themselves from Rock. You know, they don't they don't embrace him. They don't put him forward in races. But Rock is such a strong personality that he kind of powers through. He does end up being in the you know U.S. House. You know, he goes on and and does some things with the financial wing of the clan. So he continues to strive. And as the book starts, he even thinks that he can reinvent himself and become a Senate candidate in the state of Virginia, even though in the past the Klan hasn't really embraced him because of this association with murder and also because, you know, I mean, let's be honest, he's a pretty vile person. Anybody who reads the book is going to come to that conclusion. But Rock, he's just one of these indefatigable people that is not going to stop and is going to keep going. So, yeah, as the book begins, he believes that he can win the Klan's blessing to become a mm. Senate candidate in the state of Virginia, and he's he's willing to do anything it takes to get that. Well, he gets away with a, a lot of outlandish acts, whoa. But mm. there's somebody that tries to control him that I really like was Marshall. So how does he right. attempt to control him and try to get him to behave? Because Rock is like a teenager that hasn't grown up yet. He's like a 13-year-old that thinks I could do whatever I want. Oh, for sure. Rock, I mean, Rock is is that absolutely. I mean, he's he's like a teenager in that he seems to believe he's the only one on earth and that, you know, what he wants is, is the only thing that matters. And I think Rock would say that, it, you know, philosophically, it's kind of a throwback to that old Gordon Gecko greed is good from the 80s. You know, I mean, he has this idea that, you know, if everybody pursues their own self-interest, it all kind of works out because of the system we've got in place. Um, but uh, going back to Marshall, so Marshall Pruitt is a is is an old he's an old spy master of the clan. He's got this rich backstory that involves, you know, stealing elections in the 60s and, you know, having affairs with Castro's mistresses, you know, and all kinds of spy intrigue stuff like that. So he's kind of like he's sort of the black ops spy master for the Pruitt clan. You know, he does all the dirty deeds uh for the uh for, for the clan and he's 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 very you know he's very advanced in age he's in a wheelchair he's kind of this shadowy figure um and so rock as rock goes rock goes to his reunion and does something very reckless one of the reckless acts that you talked about and takes a lot of risks and he, he probably would have gotten caught in a lot of big trouble but marshall the spy master who kind of knows and sees all and has his feelers out there in the world he manages to save rock so he does save Rock. He pulls Rock away from the danger that Rock's in. I don't want to give too much away. Um, no. But, of course, you know, with Marshall and somebody in that position, it's never free. You know, a favor like that is never free. So he he preserves the proof of what Rock has done, and he kind of 
holds on to it for leverage at some future point in time. And, of course, that's, that's how Marshall gets done. He's kind of a collector of leverage in that way. So Rock and, and uh, Marshall, in some ways, they're sort of simpatico. They've worked together before. They both have a very dark and grim view of the world and how things get done in politics and in, in other aspects. But there's still this conflict of Marshall wanting to control Rock and, you know, they're in opposition in the same time as they're they're kind of working together in some ways. I had an uncle like that. He can get anything done. I wish he was still here. Yeah. You yeah. never knew what he was. You just never knew what, how he was right. going to get things done. You just had to say, Uncle L, and it got done. So let's go to the other side because there's two sides to this, people. Can't just have the Pruitts. We have to have the Gallagher's. Sure. Who's the main Gallagher's that he had to deal with? And what was his plan to embarrass Owen, poor Owen? And mm-hmm. tell us about the statue in the library. Why did he destroy it? I was very upset about that. I'm right, knowing. right. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll start with the statue, and then I'll go back to the Gallagher's. The, the statue, mm-hmm. which actually is a real oh, statue, the Ster- Sterling Library is a mm-hmm. kind of a big Gothic library on the Yale campus. I mean, it's it's something like 20, 25 stories. And there is a statue of a reader at the very top of it. So it's, you know, it's got a triangle, uh, it's got a peaked roof up there, and there is a, a, a statue of somebody just sitting calmly reading a book. Um, and it has some kind of a Greek inscri- inscription or other. Um, and so Rock, as Rock goes back to the reunion, you know, he has a lot of bitterness towards Yale because, you know, he went there expecting that it was going to be his launching pad to become a great leader for his clan uh, and for mm. the country. And and it didn't because, you know, he, uh, you know, he had this association with this murder. And, you know, he also has a lot of um, bitterness about just in general, you know, the kind of liberal nature of professors and, and the environment there. And, you know, being a conservative, I think he felt very much unfairly ostracized. So he goes to Yale, you know, at the reunion, and one of his goals is just revenge. You know, I mean, he just he just wants to take something on Yale. He's got this kind of raw animal anger towards the place. Mm. And he, he comes to, in his mind, in, in his kind of sometimes nonsensical mind, you know, this statue on top of uh, Sterling Library becomes the thing that he focuses on. You know, there's this this reader who's sitting above everybody. You know, he feels like that's very symbolic, you know, that the reader thinks they're better than everybody else because they've got this book mm. up there. And this idea of, you know, we're kind of intellectual and, you know, we've thought deeply about our ideas, so our ideas are better, you know. And so Rock really really gets under Rock's craw. And so he feels like to get up there and to do a reckless thing, uh, uh, again, I don't, I don't want to spill, uh, spoil too much no. of it. But he wants to he wants to take action <laughs> against this uh, this statue of the reader, which is a real statue, as I said. Um, and then the other goal that Rock has there, which relates to the Gallagher's, is uh, the Gallagher clan is having one of the colleges named after them. Um, yeah. At Yale, uh, there are 13 residential colleges. They're kind of like dorms. Um, and you're all everybody is randomly assigned to one as they enter, and so as the book begins, the Gallagher's are getting a college named for them. So it's kind of like you know they're mm. getting a, 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 a monument or a dorm named for them, and there's going to be a ceremony where they're going to um, do the christening. They're going to name the dorm after the Gallagher's, and it turns out that Owen Gallagher, who is a, the Gallagher's presidential candidate in an upcoming election, um, yeah. is going to be speaking there. So Rock 
goes to the new college, which will be called Gallagher College, you know, the college of, of kind of his enemies, um, and he kind of pokes around and figures this out, that that Owen Gallagher is going to be speaking. And so he knows right away he's he, he wants to sabotage Owen Gallagher. He feels like, you know, I mean, just – to do to land a blow against the Gallaghers is a positive because he's a Pruitt and Pruitts and Gallaghers fight. That's just what they do. But he also thinks if he if he lands a big blow on Owen Gallagher, the presidential candidate, that it'll help him in the Klan's eyes and and maybe get him some leverage to get that Virginia Senate seat. Because again, it's, with Marshall, with Rock, with the Pruitts, it's all about leverage. You know, kind of earning up those chits to cash in later for something that you want. So he's got this idea. He goes to the reunion. He wants revenge against Yale, and he wants to land a big blow against the Gallaghers and their, their candidate, Owen Gallagher. Oh, he does. He just got me to the speech. That was, oh, my God. That that was really clever. I mean, how did, how does he get in there? To He changed the whole thing around. It's like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. That, that, was, that, that, was, that, that sort of said it. So... How does Owen react, and what about Charlotte and his mother, Joan, when they hear this whole thing? Yeah, so Owen, I mean, so Owen Gallagher, the the the, uh, the Gallagher's presidential nominee, is he's kind of an yeah. empty suit. I mean, he's somebody who was a, a governor, but not for long. He doesn't have a lot of intellectual heft, um, but he he's one of those candidates that just kind of has the right look, maybe, you know he's got the right um, he's got the right constituencies and his biography is is not easy to attack. So the Gallagher's kind of put all their eggs in in him as their candidate, um, knowing that he's he's maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah. So when Rock goes ahead with his uh, sabotage, uh, Owen let's just say that Owen doesn't respond to it well, um, and so. Uh, He's going to come. He's going to come out of it wounded. Now, I, w- I will say in the book, the second book in the series, which is called Power Rip, is going to focus on the presidential election in the oh, next nice. cycle. Here, it's going to be a little bit more of a traditional kind of, you know, Gallagher's versus Pruitt's in an election, um, and Owen is going to stick around, kind of wounded. Um, you know, he, he's not necessarily a, a bad guy. He just, he's just somebody who wasn't. Um, doesn't have all the all the tools to do a great job with it. So yeah, so when he faces adversity here in Pine Box Vendetta, he doesn't he doesn't respond well. And really on the Gallagher side, the clan, the power center of the Gallagher's is really more in the female mm-hmm. characters. Charlotte Gallagher is a very important character. She's kind of like a female yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. She has this company called Smart Widget that is, you know, one of the biggest uh tech companies in the world. Uh and she's, you know, one of the ten richest people in the world. And so her money, she has all this big tech money, is really funding a lot of these Gallagher campaigns. And so the Gallaghers, as they're fighting the Pruitts, they have a big money advantage. And it's all because of Charlotte Gallagher, who is the sister of Jamie Gallagher, the the main main guy here. So Charlotte is kind of trying to pull the strings, and she's trying to keep mm-hmm. the Gallaghers in check. And she's keep keeps trying to prop up Owen, their presidential candidate, because she feels like he's the most appealing to the electorate and is their best chance to win. But, you know, she's got to do all the hard work. She's the really clever one. Um, and her mother, her mother, Joan Gallagher, is a senator from Massachusetts. Yeah. So the two of them together, you know, as I say, the female characters on the Gallagher side are the, really the, the brain power, and they're the ones who are really pulling the strings. And Owen is the face of the candidacy, you know, for presidency, but, oh you know, he's not really the brains of it, <laughs> you know. No, it's scary. And then we have another Pruitt, Jonathan Pruitt. 
How does he differ from the rest of them? Yeah, so Jonathan Pruitt, you know, the backstory here with Jonathan Pruitt is that he is he was the president, uh, I, I guess we can say maybe a couple cycles ago. He was a one-term president. Yeah. So in this, in this uh, reality that I've imagined with the Gallagher's and the Pruitt's, Jonathan is the one in the two families that has been the president. And, and he's got a very opposite personality from Rock. You know, he's, he's setting this very disciplined tone. Um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really believe in social media. He thinks you go on TV, you should have a tie on. Um, you know, he's got this really buttoned up um, sort of conservative, disciplined ethic to him. And it doesn't fit with Rock because Rock is, you know, as far from disciplined as you can be. So, it makes for an interesting dynamic in the story because in order to become the Virginia Senate candidate, as Rock wants to do, the, the one he's got to win over is Jonathan Pruitt because Jonathan's the ex-president of their clan and he's the most important figure. So somehow Jonathan, uh, Rock is going to have to convince Jonathan that he's worthy of his support. Uh, and, and it's going to be a slog because everything personally that Rock is about you know, is, the, is opposite uh, is anathema to uh, to Jonathan and how he sees the world. Where am I here? I'm over here. Um, so we have the choosing. Explain the choosing and why Rock thought he won the support for Virginia. Sometimes politicians don't know that they didn't exactly win the state or what what they wanted. <laughs> That's what happens when true. he learns the truth. He learns the truth. Yeah. Well, he's a lot of awful wall, this guy, anyway. Right, right. Yeah, it doesn't take Rock much to go off the deep end, so that's not going to be good. But, yeah, the choosing is the, the Pruitts have this um, sort of semi-formal event before any big uh, political yeah. campaign starts called the choosing, where they all get they get all the candidates, everybody who wants to be a candidate for a certain race, whether it's presidential or House or Senate, uh, they all kind of get together in one place. In this case, in the story here, it's this big mansion on Long Island, Um they get together and they have they have debates. They have sort of glad glad handling sessions. Um, you know they do different things to test out the, their candidates. And all the the party elders kind of get to meet the different people who want to run for this position, and they evaluate them based on their performance and everything like that. How they how they look to fundraisers and how they talk to people and and uh and then at the end of it they make a choice about who the clan is going to throw its support behind you know whether it's endorsements or financial and things like that so rock this weekend of the reunion is also the weekend of the choosing for the virginia senate seat candidacy and so rock goes to the choosing and he knows he's behind you know because of his history with Derek Dickerson dying and and all the, mm. the the sort of horrible things in his past but he thinks he can overcome it and of course his his way of overcoming it is to sabotage his main apart you know opponent. Yeah. that's kind of what rock does so there's a there's a woman um who's who's in the lead for that Virginia candidacy who Jonathan mm. Pruitt favors and is clearly leaning towards and so Rock, again, without mm. giving anything away, Rock engages in some subterfuge to damage her and try to knock mm-hmm. her out of the running. And at the end of the night, he, he, he succeeds with his, uh, his sabotage, and he thinks that he's, he's going to win Jonathan's approval. Um, and it's not that simple. And, of course, when he finds out Rock being Rock, he, you know, it's a downward spiral, and he just becomes more mm. dangerous and destructive for, uh, for the rest of the characters of the novel. Yeah. Well, you know, every election, presidential, senate, or whatever, 
for some reason, they never do it on the merit of the person. They always have to go after the next person. It's always like bad-mouthing them. Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for a presidential election where the candidate said, this is what I can do for you, this is why you should elect me, and don't talk about the other guy because it doesn't really matter. That's not going to happen with this one either. It's going to get really nasty. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, and I I definitely wanted to, in writing this book, you know, capture some of that kind of disgust that people have with the constant bickering and fighting back and forth. And, and, And Sam's character is meant to in some way stand in for you and I and, I, and all mm. of us who kind of look at it from the outside and say, oh, you know, this yeah. is kind of yucky. And, and it's funny because some early readers of the book have really been turned off by just how negative and how, what, a, what a kind of a nasty portrait it paints of politics, um, which is certainly intentional on my part. And actually the second, story, the second book, Power Rip, mm. um, you know, the, one of the characters who's going to be running for president on the Pruitt side really is, is going to kind of mm-hmm. go into it with the theme of trying to change the dynamic and speak honestly with people and not engage in this really kind of nasty Hatfield-McCoy stuff. And so the whole mm-hmm. question, of course, will be, can you really do that? You know, or is it so entrenched that you just can't get out of it? But that's where we're going in book two. Yeah. When is that coming out, just so I have it in my schedule to know? Well, <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, I think probably sort of mid-2021, although it's all, <laughs> oh, good. you know, me like everybody else, you know, we're kind of uh, – we're locked down tight here in Michigan, and my uh, my my daughters, my eight and ten year old daughters, are home with me. So uh, we're I think mm-hmm. they're they're looking forward to going back to school, and we're all looking back to looking forward to getting to some kind of a more normal situation. But you know, like everybody else, there's a lot of uncertainty, and so for me, it's it's been challenging to to make those uh, deadlines yeah, and I figure know. out exactly you know exactly when what book will be ready. Yeah. <laughs> I know my nephew um, goes to Muhlenberg, and he's mm. going to be a junior, and he right. got the message that he has to stay online because they're only letting freshmen in. They're not letting anybody else, just freshmen. Into right, the right, and, and that's, that's he's not thrilled that's, about that. Not yeah, at all. Yeah, and my we happen to live in Michigan where the the virus numbers are quite good, okay. um, and the girls are scheduled to go back to school in two weeks. But like everything else with, about this time, you know. In two yeah. two weeks is you know is forever, right? Things change so yeah, quickly. Yeah, you don't so. know. My, yeah, my niece yeah. starts on Friday, and I'm right. nervous for her. It's really weird because she's got three classes online and one that she has to actually attend, and I'm right. saying like, why? But she's a freshman, <laughs> so hopefully yeah. it it hopefully it'll be okay. I, I don't know. My nephew yeah. is not thrilled that he has to stay at home because he's in a baseball scholarship, but they are playing baseball. They I, are I don't even know. I mean, after teaching for a hundred years like I did, I don't know how safe I would feel going back into a school, knowing that no matter what they do, it's never going to really be that sanitized. I feel like right. about it. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard, and you you know yeah. the toll it takes on the kids not being there, and you know the risks. So yeah. it's just a, it's just a it's a rock and a hard place. I know. Yeah. Now let's get to something interesting that happened. Things get interesting when they have the lighting and remembrances of the classmates. I thought I thought I was watching the Academy Awards on that one. And you're talking <laughs> about people that are gone and go like, yeah, okay. So right. what happens that shocks everyone that makes um, Samantha smile, and how does everyone react? Because that was really good. I go like, what? Right, right, yeah. So I, if anybody's listening and they don't they don't want to be a spoiler at all, you might uh, plug no, your. We're not telling for, you what happened. There's none of your business. Read the book. Yeah, but um, yeah. So there's Sam is talking and. Uh, 
there was a surprise entrance of a character who uh mm-hmm. who we thought we thought was not coming back um and uh and it's it's a wonderful thing i mean as i said sam comes to the reunion hoping for some kind of a spark there um mm. hoping for something to kind of reinvigorate her life and um, and the emergence of this character who she thought was long gone uh is definitely that yeah so so it is it is a point of the story where we're starting to feel like there's some hope for Sam and maybe a way out of, um, you know, some of the struggles that she shows up at reunion weekend with. I liked her. So so often I read a book. You know, like, like I said last week, it took me forever to read this book, and I wanted to kill off the main character, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that happens ever so often. Like the the villain is my friend, and the rest of them are mm-hmm. like, just kill off the main character because she's getting on my nerves. So. Right. Tell us, tell us about Jamie and why he latched on to Sam and Josh. I like Josh. Yeah. He's a good kid. Yeah, so I think Jamie um Jamie really uh he he you know, he he's a little bit embittered by the whole feud. You know, he's a Gallagher and he feels dragged down by the the Hatfield McCoy aspect of the of the feud. And when he thinks back to Yale, he remembers being friends with Sam who wasn't part mm-hmm. of the feud. Um, and so he really he shows up at the reunion wanting to um, wanting to find that that kind of good thing that had nothing to do with politics, that had nothing to do with fighting. It was just he and Sam, you know, um, no other motives. Just they just had a connection, right? And so um, his reason for showing up at the reunion is very much um, to reconnect with Sam and find that one mm. true thing in his life that he felt like he feels like he's been missing for so long and to see if she's still there. And, you know, Sam is married, and, and he knows that. Now, he doesn't know as mm-hmm. the story begins that Sam's in a really rotten marriage, you know, with, yeah. with her husband Abe. But and so, but she, he doesn't really show up imagining that they're going to be romantic. He just he knows mm-hmm. that it was a good thing in his life, and he wants to go back and find it and reaffirm it. And, you know, he feels like that will be enough for him. And he also, he doesn't want to do any harm. He, you know, Jamie's he's, he's got this thing where he really wants to be pure, he doesn't want to cause downstream harm, which he feels like the Pruitts and Gallagher's have done, you know, with their feuding mm. over the centuries. So he has the same uh, ethos going into his relationship with Sam that, you know, he doesn't want to wreck her marriage, wreck her family. He just wants to reconnect with her and find this this kind of very true thing that they had when, back when they were uh, undergraduates. Now, before I forget, Wednesday, Dana Perry will be here with the Crushing Depths. And guess what? Next Monday, Jeff Bond will be back with Anarchy of Mice. That book really got me. And on the 26th, I was surprised at this one. I didn't expect this. New York Times author Ted Bell is doing an exclusive with me for Dragonfire. And September, what better way to start with um, Deb Pine and her and her book? And on the 14th, Alan Jacobson. And on the 16th, Brian Freeman is back with my favorite character, Jonathan Stride. And I'm still waiting for the two books, so I can't tell you the titles because I didn't get them yet, which is really amazing. And Crooked Paths is Deb Pine's book, and it's really good because she has a character like Jessica Fletcher, and Mimi Goldman is just like Jessica Fletcher, maybe even worse. She's hilarious. So let's look at the title. What is the Pine Box, and why do I feel that will bring down the Pruitts, this Pine Box? The yeah, title, the pine box is well. There, there's an inscription in the, at the very beginning of the book. There's kind of yeah. an old English Revolutionary Times inscription about 
um, you know, this police officer's report that a pine, but there were the a Pruitt and a Gallagher were quarreling over a pine box of unknown import. Mm-hmm. So we just know as the story begins that there's some pine box that was the source of some dispute. And so as the story goes on, we just get a little, we just get tiny hints about what that mm-hmm. pine box was. You know, and it, it's a little bit of an urban legend. I mean, some people say there's a skeleton buried somewhere. Some people say mm. there's an ancient artifact. You know, it involves this box made out of pine. So it's this mystery. And, and Marshall Pruitt, the old spy master, mm. mentions Marshall and Rock talk about it. You know, they talk about it being some weapon that they have, in, you know, hidden away in some secret lair that they can use to destroy the Gallagher's. But Jamie, on the Gallagher side, doesn't believe it's real. You know, he tells Sam that, you know, it's just a legend and people say that, but, you know, there's nothing to it. So, as a, you know, in, in this book, we're, we're not going to, to find out what the, the pine box is, but it is, it is kind of an, a lurking mystery, you know, what set these two families fighting, you know, 200, 250 years ago. And it is, I, I have some, I have had readers that, that, are not satisfied and feel like they wanted to know what the pine box was, but you've got to understand that it's going to be a, a series here. We're going to have several books, and we are going to we are going to explore what exactly the pine box is. We're not going to find out in this book, um, but it is it is kind of this lurking mystery, and there's there's something back there. But even the, the principals here, the characters don't know quite what it was, and maybe Marshall Pruitt knows, and maybe somebody else knows, but um, we're we're going to have to keep reading to find out. Well, we're going to have to just write the book fast till I find it. <laughs> right, right. I have my own, my own, my own thing here. I can't tell you what I think it is. So, what does Joss find, and where does she find it, and why does she think that you need to call the police at this particular point? I love this right. kid. Right. So, so Joss um, again, without giving everything away, she yeah. finds we we find something at about the midpoint of the book. There's there's a revelation that relates back to the central mystery of the story, which is, you know, the death of Rock's freshman roommate um, 20 years ago, which kind of derailed his political career. Um, Mm. And as I said, you know, when it happened, it was kind of like a Ted Kennedy, Mary Jo Kopechny thing where, you know, the Klan hushed it up and, you know, they disowned him in a way. But but he didn't face criminal prosecutions because of it. Um, Joss finds something that you know has relevancy for that crime, and so she has the thought that oh let's take it to the police right away and let's you know let's nail Rock and um, Sam's not so sure because after all the first time around um, Rock's family you know the Pruitts were able mm. to suppress witnesses and evidence and and so why wouldn't they just do the same you know so I think Sam feels there's some danger here. Um, and that it's not as as clear cut as as Josh. Of course, Josh, being 14, has a has a more clear cut view of the world. But Sam seems a little bit more, and so she thinks they need to proceed with more caution. Everybody, but proceed with more caution. <laughs> now, yeah. this 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 gets really interesting and upsetting. Her father shows up, I. And Abe shows up. And how do we know that Sam is at the end of her rope with Abe? Because what does he do? Do you want to smack him in the head and put some tape on his mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Abe, he's one of these characters. He's kind of, he's sort of a graceless, selfish person. Graceless, yeah. selfish person. Um, so he walks into a situation, he, you know, I mean, a little bit like Rock on a very much milder scale. Like, he's not really thinking about other people. He's not thinking about the other dynamics. And so... 
he walks right into this delicate situation of the reunion where we have, you know, there's a balance between the Pruitts and the Gallaghers. We have Sam and Jamie. You know, there are all these delicate situations, and Abe just walks in and just starts, you know, dropping bombs, saying whatever whatever comes into his head. Um, and, of course, it, it um, you know, this, this being a thriller, it's going to set everything uh, on its head mm-hmm. uh, and, and cause every, everybody to, to, uh, to rethink things and have to respond to him. And, and I think the thing that especially bothers Sam about this, you know, because Sam has put up with Abe for years and years um, mm. for Joss's sake, but Abe does some of this right in front of Joss, you know, and that yeah. when you, when you kind of mess with, with Sam's daughter and, you know, she feels like he's endangering her welfare or her state of mind, you know, that's just it. Sam is going to, you know, that's kind of the end of the line for Sam. She's going to stand up and do something about it. So that that was really the, the last straw for him. So Josh does something that's rash. Why? What does she do that's not so smart? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, again, I, I won't I won't get into specifics. Don't say specific, what it is, but yeah. She, she doesn't, she doesn't, you know, when Rock does something to kind of slip away or to prevail here, because that's, you know, that's what Rock does. He's kind of like the snake that it all, is always able to slither mm-hmm. away, sometimes with Marshall's help. But, you know, uh, I think Sam is, is resigned to it a little bit. You know, she's a little bit world-weary, and she's seen things, and it's not that surprising. It's, it's you know, there's cause for despair, but... She accepts it, but uh, being a teenager, Joss, Joss can't accept it. So she takes a rash, impulsive action um, that is going to put uh, put some people in danger for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. where am I here? Um, the ending lets us know that there is more, and a harsh truth is revealed. We won't say what. So, right. where is Sam next, and what about Josh? Mm. Yeah, so I think Sam, you know, as I've been saying here, Sam steps back from the events of the the story Mm -hmm. and looking at the Pruitts and the Gallaghers, and I think she feels burned by it all. Um, You know, she feels like there have been lives destroyed and all kinds of damage done, and it's all been just for the sake of power. You know, it's not for the sake Mm -hmm. of of the the ideals that each of the clans aspire to. So I, I think is, is the book ends, and again, not getting into what exactly happens, but I think mm-hmm. Sam's feeling at the end of the story to me is the feeling that maybe a lot of us have with politics is that, you know, we're not going to get wrapped up in it. We're not going to get distracted. We're going to kind of focus on me and, and, and the people around me and finding happiness. And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll kind of see the headlines and we'll, we'll know what's going on, but, uh, We've got to focus on ourselves and the people around us and the people that we love instead of getting really caught up in the blood spore of the politics. I mean, obviously, you know, as I write this, you know, I, I realize that there are a lot of important issues that people care about mm-hmm. and people work hard, people that are involved in politics. I mean, it's not like everybody who's involved in politics is just engaged in this, you know, quid pro quo nasty stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the part of it that is just, you know, kind of blood sport and doing this to to gain one over the other uh, is the part that Sam, I think, is is fed up with at the end of the story and that perhaps readers may feel the same way. Oh, I do. I thought it was interesting, the ending. What's going to happen between Sam and and Abe if they break up? What's going to happen if they break up? Yeah, I mean, I think if they break up, then, you know, Sam Sam knows it's going to be a struggle. You know, I think if if they do... 
if we do get to that, you know, I think, but I think, you know, Joss certainly is a character that evolves and grows over yeah. the course of the story. I mean, she doesn't really get a lot of pages in the story. I mean, it is a little bit of a slim book. We've got three protagonists, and Joss is not a protagonist. Yeah. But still, yeah, she does a little bit of, of coming of age. And so I think as the story ends, I think Sam feels better about Joss and more secure with the knowledge that, you know, she's raised mm-hmm. a daughter who is adaptable um, and is going to be resilient. And so whatever happens... Uh, both Sam and Joss, I think, have come through it with more strength and uh, have reason to be optimistic, even if a lot of the things that happen in the story are are not cause for optimism. And will Rock continue? He's a horror. Will he continue <laughs> down his downward path? And how come he doesn't care about his son's welfare? I mean, he knows his son is sick. He's really, I, know, yeah, I, mean, I want to smack so him in the head. He's, really? Yeah, we get, we get that scene where Rock... Uh, Rock's wife puts Rock's son on the phone, and, yeah. and the son doesn't can't play because he's got an earache or something. And Rock says, you know, something you know, kind of vile about how she, he should be able to shake it off. Yeah, I mean, I think Rock definitely is yeah. a character who has this "whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger" attitude. And I mean, you, you do see parents certainly out there that kind of have have the attitude that you know you just you, you'd be really tough on a kid, and and they'll come mm-hmm. out stronger the other side. And and Rock certainly takes that to an extreme, you know. I mean, he, he thinks that by showing indifference towards his son, um, it'll make mm-hmm. his son stronger. And I think when we actually do get in a little small scene, we see that what Rock's yeah. father, how Rock's father treated him. You know, I think there's a scene. Yeah. I'm not sure that I remember the exact details, but I think Rock lost in a spelling bee or a math bee to a boy um, and of another ethnicity. And uh, and Rock's father says a really nasty thing to Rock about you know the other boy and how the other boy you know didn't have yeah. the same privileges that he had and and we kind of so that kind of gives us a sense of how Rock became kind of the monster that he is you know yeah. both from a prejudicial standpoint and also just cruelty towards you know your offspring and and how you treat people yeah um, but yeah, as, as on the question of whether Rock will continue his downward path I think the answer is definitely yes uh, he. Rock is going to stick around, uh, and I, I think we're going to see more from Rock and Marshall together, mm. um, teaming up for more nasty stuff. And I, I'm trying—I think that the the copy that I sent you probably does not have the sample chapter. Um, the new the new version of or Pinebox now, if people order a paperback version of Pinebox or the Kindle version, you get a preview of the second book, Power Rep. So you get a chapter there. I don't so think Rock, so. Rock no, I don't. See, <laughs> I don't have it. I know yeah, I was I, missing something. I'm so sad. No, I'll, I'm looking have, at the back. Have I have the book have in front of me. I don't have one with the with the with the other one. That's why I asked you. Yeah, because I, I think I it. sent you a very early the a very early print of it. Not maybe I'll, I'll have to send over the electronic version or something, or maybe send you a new printed copy. But anyway, yes, there's and and Rock does make a, a brief appearance in the first chapter of uh, the next book, Power Rep. So. He is he is definitely going to stick around, and I don't think he's not he's not becoming any sunnier as a character. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Well, after dealing with um, parents and teach as an educator, I know abusive parents, and a lot of times, unfortunately, an abusive parent was abused as a child too. Right. And that that's what I know. And the sad part is, every time a child told me something, I was right to report it. I was never wrong. I was never, right. I never, never not, yeah. So, that's scary. Where will yeah. the Pruitts and Gallicas be next, and what is their po- the political 
competition. Owen versus who? Right. So the uh, so as I said earlier, the, it is going to be book two will focus on the the presidential the next presidential mm-hmm. cycle here, where Owen Gallagher who comes out of the Pine Box Vendetta wounded because of the the, mm-hmm. the kind of gaffe that he commits, but he's still yeah. he's still in the, in a position to to maybe be the nominee. And the Gallagher and the Pruitts are going to put forward their own candidate named Carl Peoples, who, you know, the, the Pruitts have are a, a diverse clan. They've got different constituencies within their family, and one of them is these the Michigan Pruitts are a little more libertarian, um, mm-hmm. and, and they have a little bit different view of the world. And so Carl Pruitt steps forward to be the candidate on behalf of the uh, of the Pruitts in the second book. And he is—he's a different kind of character. Again, he—he's the focus of the first chapter, the sample chapter that mm. some of the later printings have. And he's—he was the former governor of Michigan, and he made his money in the traveling carnival business. So he's kind of a big, mm. big kind of talker, big loquacious guy. But, but he has a real idea that he's going to break out of this uh, Hatfield McCoy uh, trap that the two families are set in. So he's really trying to change the tone. In the the in the the um, in the next election in the next book and so a lot of the book focuses on um, can he break away from you know Marshall and Rock and this really mm. nasty element of the Pruitt clan can he do it the right way you know and again as I said I mean some people will really you know will will come out of this Pine Box Vendetta feeling really bad about the political scene and the way that it's mm. portrayed but book two is really going to give us. Uh, a character in Carl that's trying to break out of that, and, the, and so the real the drama is, can you do that? You know, is is it just intractable, or can he make mm-hmm. it happen? You know, and I think also I, I should say that you know for some people, if people read the Pine Box Vendetta and think that it's got a that Rock Pruitt is such a nasty character, you know, and he's Republican mm-hmm. and they and they feel like there's a bias, Carl is probably going to be the most um, likable character in the second book and he is on the republican side so you know as a writer it's it's really important for me to not you know take sides uh in, in a large way and uh and so as the series goes on we're going to get characters good and bad characters on both mm-hmm. sides of the aisle and that'll certainly uh certainly come to pass in the second one yeah well before i forget don't forget next monday people anarchy of mice is totally different than this one <laughs> And I, I, you know what, with what's going on on the news with the protests and the Black Lives Matters and the looters and stuff and trying to get people, whatever, this was really good. This sort of like, he picked another one. It is amazing how that happens because, I mean, I probably started writing that book three or four years ago, right? And by the time it comes around for, for, you know, to be released, I mean, here we are. I know. Okay, before we end, where can we find out more about you and your work? And don't forget, people, next Monday at 10, he's coming back with Anarchy of Mice, now that I picked out the right. And I'll, I will post um, the Pine Box Vendetta's review later because I posted the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, so you can posted, find out more about me. I posted Anarchy of Mice because I looked at my schedule and I go, okay, genius, you po- posted the wrong one. And Tara wants <laughs> book two also. I'm just telling you, everybody's going to want it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pat. I appreciate it. Yeah, so for, for learning more about me, my website is jeffbondbooks.com. That's jeffbondbooks.com. Or, of course, you can find me on Amazon. Um, I think with the with the anarchy and the dear Durwood now, I've got five books out. Um, 
and uh, and they're all in electronic version. They're all ba- they're all priced at 99 cents. I mean, I'm really at, at a stage where I'm really trying to get the word out about uh, my stories, and so I've mm-hmm. everything is priced at a bargain basement of 99 cents, and uh, mm-hmm. you can find everything on Amazon or again through uh, JeffBondBooks.com. Okay, well, only because I posted the wrong thing. Well, you don't care. It doesn't matter. The five stars are out there for Anarchy of Mice. I posted that this morning. <laughs> no, they really did. And I thought I had, I, I always write things on my phone. I thought I had the whole review, and I posted something. I go like, oh, I only posted half the review. So I've got to go back on my computer and post uh. it again because my computer has a habit of deleting my reviews. Oh, no. no seriously. Sometimes it just, yeah, that happened with, with one right before the show. I go, like, where's my review? How am I going to post it? And I go, like, I had to, I had to do it over. So thank God oh, I didn't have to I do that. that. I saved yours, like, 20 times. But I want to thank you so much. I, I love this book. I can't wait for the next one to come out. So for thank those you so much, Fran. Thanks Pine for having Box me. Vendetta, I appreciate it. This, this is really great. And, I, you know, I give my books away to everybody in this even though we have a lockdown in the building and nobody really comes in, the porter loves me because I gave Rich a whole bunch of books this morning. And my cousin loves me and my doctors love me. In order to get an appointment, I have to bring some books. So That's a great, that's a great gift for people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They love it. And despite the fact that I write in them, circle everything and destroy the book, well, this one didn't do too badly. But, um, yeah, I, I know who's going to want this one. But thank you so much. Everybody, the sun is shining. It is. I'll tell you exactly. Oh, my God, it's 73. It's cool outside. It's nice. Jeff, thank you so much. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thanks, Fran. Oh, my God.